0: Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Herron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 208 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. Absolutely thrilled that you're here today because we are talking to C.J. Cook, who wrote a book called The Nesting, which blew my damn mind. It uh, is a really excellent representation of gothic horror or gothic thriller, really straddles the line there, and it scared me and it kept me up. And it most of all put me into a place um, where I usually am not in the snow, in the cold. And it was really, really, really beautifully written and kept me on the edge of my seat. So I was so thrilled to talk to CJ about this. Um, what happens sometimes, and you've heard me talk about this before, is that publishers will reach out to me and ask me to talk to some of their writers. And I will say yes to the ones that I'm interested in and no to the ones I am not. And I was interested in CJ and I got the net galley uh, version, so I could read it on my Kindle. However, they also sent me a paperback. So I'm trying to divest of belongings as we get ready to move to New Zealand sometime in the next six months to a year. So I don't need copies of books. This one is uncracked. I'd never opened it, and I would love to give it to someone. So if you are interested in winning a copy um, of CJ's book, go to rachelherron.com slash win, rachelherron.com slash win. Uh, You can sign up for that if you're interested. And also I have a large confession to make. Probably about a month ago, I also had an extra copy of Becca Syme's uh, Dear Writer, You Need to Quit. That is a hugely popular episode of the show. Everybody loves listening to Becca Syme talk. The book is fantastic. You need it. And about a month ago, I said I had a copy and I would give it away to somebody in a drawing. For the last month, I will admit this to you, I have not been able to find the sheet on which I tallied the entries. I can't find it. Every single Thursday as I go to set up Friday's podcast, I look for it and I'm giving up. I'm giving up. So I apologize to those of you who entered last time. Um, please enter again. Same place, rachelherron.com slash win. And that is a drawing for either CJ's uh, nesting book or Becca's Dear Writer, You Need to Quit. And either of which, if you win it, I will be happy to send it to you, and I know you'll be happy to get it. So come over and enter for that. I would really love to send these out. International is okay. Um, I'm willing to pay the money to ship a book to you. So please come over and enter. And what else is going on? Well, the big thing that's going on, of course, is National Novel Writing Month, which I am five days deep, and so far I'm behind. And that is okay. I did the first three days spot on, uh, even November 3rd, the day we were all glued to the news. And we're still glued to the news over here in America because, wow. Anyway, I actually wrote on that day, because it was a Tuesday and I had Rachel Says Right, where we gather together and write together. So I really, really needed that. We also have that this afternoon and I'm using it. However, yesterday was our recovery day after the election and I had given myself the entire day off and I meant it, which is sometimes hard for me to do. So I did nothing. I played some um, poker online with no money, just playing on the game because I'm trying to learn Texas Hold'em. I'm very, very interested in poker right now, because right now I am reading The Biggest Bluff, How I Learned to Pay Attention, Master Myself, and Win by Maria Konnikova. And it is so good. It's about a woman who decides to learn Texas Hold'em in order to write a stunt memoir in which she spends a year doing that and then enters the World Series of Poker. And I will not tell you how it goes. It's just really beautifully written, and I'm deeply into it In the way she looks at The way humans make decisions as she was writing this book. And I have gone on a tangent to tell you I played poker on November 4th instead of writing my words. And you know what? What I want to say to everyone right now is that is okay. It is always okay. No matter what your goal is, if your goal is to Win NaNoWriMo and write 1,667 words a day. Fantastic. Knowing your goal is huge. In my classes, I'm constantly talking about rejiggering our goals. You can look ahead, see how many days you have to write until your specific goal, which could be anything. Tell yourself the number of words you have to write in a day in order to hit that. And if you don't hit it, rejigger, rejigger, move the date out move your numbers up. Those are the two things you can do. However, for NaNoWriMo, this is my um, decision this year, and I've never done it this way. In the past, I have let myself get very far behind in NaNo, and then I get frustrated, and then I just kind of give up, and I write where and when I can, and I stop tracking my numbers. This is what I decided even before NaNo started this year. On a day that I don't write, on a day that I don't get those 1667 words, I am not going to try to make them up. What instead I will do the next day is try to get 1,667, and I will try to do that every day in the month of November. If I end up short on words, fantastic. I'll probably still end up with 40 or 45,000 words. Uh, and if I go over, fabulous, and I hit it and I win, great. No matter what, though, this will net me more words than giving up on day 10 when I'm three days behind. Which happens so often with NaNoWriMo and which happens so often with our goals. the The goal of goals is to set that goal and show up. What we don't want goals to do is start punishing us because we've gotten so far behind. When we get behind, we reset, we rejigger, we move the starting point again for us, and we move it again and again and again. And I have to tell you, when I'm on serious deadline. Uh, I rejigger almost every day for about the last month that I'm on deadline because I'm constantly either writing more than I thought or (laughs) lots more often, uh, fewer words than I thought rejiggering is the name of the game and you get to do it in any way that you want in any way that helps you best. So I hope that that helps to hear. I hope that some of you listening are participating in NaNoWriMo. You can always come friend me over at Rachel Heron over there. I think that's who I am either that or Yarn a Go-Go. I lost my account for a couple of years. Couldn't remember how to log in. Um, so I made a new account. So I think Rachel Heron is the one I'm at right now. Okay. That's about it. Let's get into our awesome interview with CJ Cook. I know you're going to adore her. Uh, Don't forget to come by and enter for a chance to win her book at rachelherron.com slash win. I'm all out of uh, patron mini coach questions too. So if you are supporting me at the $5 a month or up level, please send me some questions. I'd love to do another mini episode. Those make me really, really happy. And you know what else makes me happy? Knowing that you're out there writing too, that we are doing this together and that we are struggling and failing and exulting and having a wonderful time sometimes. Uh, remember that this is fun. Look for the joy inside your writing. And uh, we will talk soon, my friends. Happy writing. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write, and you'll also get my Stop Stalling and Write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Well, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show today, CJ Cook. Hello, CJ hi there thanks so much for having me i am absolutely thrilled um if anybody's watching the most people listen to this as a podcast but if anybody's watching on the youtube we get to see ralph the cocker spaniel (laughs) who is so we had a cocker spaniel dachshund mix for a while and her face looked like his Really? So I'm already in love with him. Let me give you a little bio before we get started. Uh, CJ Cook is an award-winning poet and novelist published in 23 languages. She teaches creative writing at the University of Glasgow, where she also researches the impact of motherhood on women's writing and creative writing interventions for mental health. So the creative writing interventions for mental health is so fascinating to me. And I am reading your book that by the time this podcast goes out, uh, is called the nesting and it is truly CJ exactly what i wanted to read Yay. It, it you know in this time of weirdness and strange things going on i, I just keep going to scary things yeah very pandemic things but i want truly scary and there was one night a couple nights ago um i couldn't sleep after reading your book and i was fighting a headache and i turned on i turned on a meditation that i like to use And in this meditation, he walks you through cities and then out into the country. And my brain kept getting confused. And I was in Norway and I was running from things. (laughs) It was so beautiful. So I'm loving it. So thank you for that. Oh, I'm so pleased. That's good to hear. So this is a show about process. And you had an interesting process for this book. You actually got a grant to go to Norway, right?
1: Yeah, I did. I hadn't been before. Oh, it was absolutely transformative. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I recommend it highly. I, I feel like I can only ever write again if I'm on a boat sailing around the the west coast of Norway. So, but no, I, I hadn't been to Norway before when before I wrote the nesting. But when I was plotting the book and thinking about the particular tone I wanted for the story, because I knew it had to be a gothic, um, which was a departure for me. Um, but I, I have particular thoughts about the relationship between gothic and despair, and I. I can talk about that. But I think that the Gothic is sort of the genre of the moment because it you know, really speaks to what we're going through. But yeah, um, <clears throat> so I, I knew I, I needed a setting that was going to be you know, really sort of beautiful, but hostile and not very human friendly. And that's particularly what Norway is. It, it's this place that is so gorgeous, but, you know, it doesn't look like a place or it doesn't feel like a place that humans should be in you feel like you're encroaching upon this terrain that that is not for you um which I loved so but yeah I um decided that that was the the spot for the book and I applied to the Arts Council and they were so wonderful because they gave me a grant and that meant I could go I went four times um wow I know well uh, so I I had to go to Oslo uh to chat with I had to go to Oslo (laughs) yeah I I had to go to Oslo to chat with them The co-director of the office of nordic architecture or the nordic office of architecture because the book involves architecture in a very
0: deep way yeah
1: yeah so it you know the sort of part of the story is that the reason it's set in norway is that this architect is he's from london and he's building this high concept eco-friendly summer home in this in the wilds of norway and so i'm not an architect and I mean, I did do a lot of research into just general architecture, but in particular, it's, it's, it's set in, in Norway and I needed to know the kind of policies and what I couldn't make that stuff up. You know, I had to get it right. So I went to speak to him in Oslo and that was, that was terrific. And he really gave me good guidance. But then I did feel like I just needed to be, I didn't know much about Norway and I did know that it's a very progressive society. And that politically for me was, was very appealing for that thread in the book, the politics of the book. Um, And I I also wanted to see what climate change looks like in the Arctic, because I had heard that it's most visible there. And I, you know, I have nothing to compare it to. It's not, you know, but I did speak to um, I went to this uh, little fishing village at the very top of Norway uh, in Finnmark beside the Russian border. There's only like 60 people in this little fishing village. Um, So I was chatting to them. and, And from that, those conversations, I was able to get much more insight into you know it's stuff that you maybe can't find online so it's just being there experiencing the place experiencing what it's like to you know for there to be no sun it was just dark all the time and there was two hours in the day where it was slightly like dusk but not sunny or anything like that I thought how do people live you know but they they do and they're happy um, but it was just phenomenal. I, I love Norway and I would move there. <laughs> it's so good.
0: Well, I think that you're knowledge and all of that study comes through and it comes through in the exact perfect way for a writer to place it. It's never heavy handed. It mm. just feels like being there and we're with both of these female characters. Um, and it's it's pretty funny because this morning I was pulling up your bio so I could read it and, you know, looking at the uh, press materials that the publisher sent me and I realized, oh my God, it is, it's a Gothic. And that is how you have contemporized it is that is that a word yes um is that I am a huge fan of the gothic I was raised on Mary Stewart I love a woman on a cliffside and <laughs> I hadn't put it together that it was a it was so obviously a gothic you've you've really yeah. recast it in this contemporary way
1: yeah I I think it was very because very, I didn't have a necessarily light bulb moment where I had this story just there. It came in sort of little drips and drabs and I knew the sort of things I wanted to write about and I wanted to write a book that I would read, um, which is a good idea. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I, I was interested in the Gothic though. I, I get quite nerdy about form and genre and things like that. So I knew specifically this was going to be a Gothic. And uh, as I said, I am interested in the relationship between The gothic and despair and i think that you know the gothic examines the unspeakable attributes of despair and the ways that it's it's very surreal uh or the way that reality kind of gets tipped upside down and the the logical world and the rational world cease to exist um and the unknown is thrust to the forefront so i just think that this kind of um you know, the state of despair, when there's no solution, uh, then then what what is that? It's, it's despair.
0: But you up the stakes even more by making our main character, main, main character, have mental health issues. Can you speak to that? Because that's incredibly yeah. beautiful, where she sees, when she sees things that don't make sense, she cannot trust herself.
1: Yeah. So Lexi came sort of fully formed. Um, it's funny, because when I was, Planning this story, I kind of felt it was going to be this quite serious, scary story. Obviously, very sinister, and and so I start writing it, and Lexi just comes and and has this sort of humor. She's very funny and yeah. and Cheeky. witty, and yeah, and she's quirky and kind of just. I just thought she was phenomenal to write. I just thought she was just this really really interesting character that I didn't have to sit down and you know. Do character interviews or anything like that. She was yeah. just there, and so I just had this fun writing her. I mean, I think a lot of writing is going with what works. You experiment. If it seems right, you think right. That's that works, and I'll keep yeah. that. And with Lexi, you know, I hadn't plotted the story when I started. I'd an idea of some elements, and and I wrote the first three or four chapters, which remain in, in the as they are in the book. Oh wow! And then, and then I went back and kind of plotted. I got index cards and everything, and I. I plotted um, from there, but I had to get a sense of of who she was. And and I I do know from experience that if the voice of the book is not right, if it's just not working, then it doesn't matter what your plot looks like. if You don't have the voice, but because the the voice was working, but it was sort of just there. Um, Mm -hmm. So all the, I think, because I hadn't sort of delved into her uh, character and her history too deeply, when I was writing her, I was kind of curious. I was thinking, oh, and, and how can I investigate that more? So obviously, further along in the book, s- certain things are revealed about her past and, and her life. Um, but yeah, we, we begin when she's at rock bottom. And um, I'm not sure that that was planned. It was just the way it came.
0: I <clears throat> I love that. And... There are, and, and these are questions that are not on the list that I sent you, but um, because I am a writer and I am so fascinated with this, you did, you played with voice and tense in this book in a nesting way. Like there are nested stories. Yeah. Um, Lexi is in first person past tense for the now section yeah. and the, the past section, which is not very past past, but it's in the present tense omniscient. How did you make that decision? I mean, it's it's so curious. I've never, I, it's it's unique.
1: I think that was actually a conscious decision. Creatively, you know, I think we like, we all of us like to sort of push ourselves a wee bit and just challenge ourselves. And my natural inclination is to write in first person. That's yeah. just what comes natural. I think all writers lean either way. You're naturally towards third person or you're naturally towards first. And mine is first person. And I've been really trying to write third person and i I just think in terms of in terms of the reader, it's nice to have a bit of a change it is it really nice is. To, yeah it, it it just keeps things in a rhythmic way. I don't mean changing all over the place, but to have a kind of consistent um pattern, but there's a bit of alteration, and I do like third person as well because it can you know go it's like a floating camera, isn't it it can go places. Yeah. and that I suppose on hindsight. Was um was was maybe necessary, but for me, the third person, the shift from first person to third person, I thought, you know, I I do enjoy writing Lexi, but I think maybe the reader will get fatigued if it's all through her perspective. Yeah. So we need a wee bit of a change, and I could also change the tone so the narrator for the third person is is just different. Yeah. Um, and maybe I was trying to capture the world how it looked um through Tom and Aurelia's eyes and they're quite different people and different a different strata of society as well. Um so yeah, but it was a bit of a challenge.
0: I bet it was a fun challenge and, and very interesting as a re as a writer to read. I bet that the reader I think readers don't think about these things very much. They're <laughs> they go with the book. But as a writer it's been fascinating. You're just such a beautiful writer. You really are I'm just thank you thank enjoying you. Enjoying it much. so, so 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 much. Okay, so what is your biggest uh, challenge when it comes to writing
1: oh gosh <laughs> it's I think it's well actually um I remember with this book uh so I wrote the last third of it when I was on that ship that I was on in Norway How fun. and actually that that I know right um it was it was it was really literally pardon the pun pushing the boat out because um <laughs> <laughs> because I'd never been away from my kids that long uh, I was I was gone for like two weeks
0: Ooh, that's a long um, time
1: it was a long time and um so my little my youngest child is autistic and I I hadn't been able to go away at all mm. uh she's she's eight now so she um she she's verbal now and she can communicate with me on Skype I mean she still phoned me every day and demanded that I return home but um I just felt more comfortable leaving her yeah uh, now that she was able to to communicate and let me know she was fine but yeah, two, two weeks um, I was away and I thought, right, I have no, I, I was off work. I didn't have the school run or all the stuff of normal life. I thought, I'm, I'm using this time. So I really just pushed myself to write um, the last third. And actually, the, you asked about the challenges of writing. I, I thought it's so good that I'm able to just be away and sit in my cabin at night and write because mentally, I think that last third. Where you're having to pull together all the narrative threads that you've set up at the beginning. Cause you know, you can set up whatever you like at the beginning, but you have to follow through, right? Yeah. Um, and at the so I thought, thank goodness I'm I'm here. Cause it's not just the time, you need the mental space to pull all those threads together. So that that is a challenge. And I I, I have PhD students who are writing novels, and I tell them this all the time that, you know, that that last bit, pulling everything together so tough so
0: tough I just generally don't do it but like, yeah <laughs> I, I, my first drafts are so bad that nothing is pulled together at the end and I usually <laughs> quit in despair and then go back and start revising because I it's so hard yeah all oh, right I, I get it yeah <laughs> so what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing
1: oh well when I think I think when you get a writing day or or just when when you write something that surprises you and I think that's why writing Lexi was so joyous mm. because she just seemed to come from a place that I I, I had I, I don't know it was like maybe hearing someone talk or whatever but it just seemed so um, beyond what I had planned and she just seemed to just talk and I just wrote and that was terrific you know if if, if every book was like that it would be great um, but that that was a joy when when you write something that is is just like oh yes because you have this book in your head and somehow that process or the journey from head to screen or page, you know, it, it, something gets lost yeah. um, or it can get lost very, very easily. And this is why, you know, writing's so hard. Um, if you could just download it, then maybe that would be great.
0: But there's something with- about Lexi that is just so joyous to be around. There's I talk to my students a lot about, you know, creating that empathetic characters they don't have to be sympathetic but we have to have some kind of empathy for this character to keep yeah. going with them there's no, and there's you fall in love with Lexi on the very first page you are
1: oh good
0: 100 in her camp from the i just oh. it's a would be a a craft tip for people just to read your book on that speaking of craft tips can you share a craft tip of any sort with us
1: um ticking clock i teach my my students this ticking clock uh technique i think that. um you know, sometimes tension is this abstract concept um, and it's why we see blockbusters on the screen that you can have any number of explosions, but you might not care. Yeah. But um, but nonetheless, I think if you've got a story and you you've got, you know, you thought about your characters and you thought about roughly what happens and you're not sure why it seems like a quiet story or it's not really, you know, there's not sort of tension in there. I think if you introduce the ticking clock technique then it's um it's all good it's, and it, it doesn't have to be a timer on a bomb in a you know in a building that has five minutes to go it can be you know like it can be a, a, any number of things it can be just a, a tally of um of things or just something that is is reminding the reader of um limited or, or finite time or space that a particular problem has to be resolved by um or there might be a crisis so I think that's that's maybe something that um you know it it doesn't involve major structural uh tweaking but if if um if there's a piece of writing that you have that you think you know it it's maybe not nothing's moving just think about a way that you can decrease the 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 time zone in there somehow or the Uh, The the numbers in in some way, if you can remind the reader that there's a finite kind of shape or space here that the story exists in, then I think that's good. And that
0: doesn't have to be relegated to one genre. It doesn't have to be thriller or horror. It can be any genre that you up those stakes and tension by using that That's something something that I I forget all the time. <laughs> I'm trying to create tension. Um, what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way?
1: Oh my gosh, it's going to sound so boring, but sleep. Um, uh, no, that's
0: not boring. That's like the the focus of my life.
1: Yeah, to- right. I I know. Trying to get enough sleep is just like you know my. It's endless this mission uh, because I just can't. I'm. I I really envy people who say oh I had four hours sleep last night and they yeah. they seem that they can string a sentence together it's it's marvelous and it's like a superpower that I don't have but um so when I get enough sleep I it's amazing I just feel like I can think and I can I can function and I have clarity and that is just wonderful so yeah I, I do think and I actually find writing a novel is so draining it is really a marathon for the brain um it is so taxing And I do find more and more that, you know, maybe it's certain stages of the novel, but I just need more sleep when I'm at a certain point, because I think I'm constantly just even when I'm not at my desk or not at my computer, I am just processing and processing and thinking. And it's so tiring. So you just you do need to to do that just as much as if you were training for a marathon, which someday I'm sure I will. But, you know, yeah.
0: I bet on the boat and when you're pushing that last third out, I bet you slept like a baby because you oh, didn't have did. kids. Yeah. You are so- con- constantly surrounded by newness and you're working your ass off. Yeah.
1: That must did. have been wonderful. It was sleep. it was so good. And and I also found that because it was so dark, like I had oh. no clue. What was going on? You know, you're sitting. It was it was fabulous. I mean, this was meant to be a ferry, but it was it was a ship. It's like not a cru- like a cruise cruise ship, but it was definitely lovely. But um, yeah, to, to be sitting eating your your breakfast or your lunch and it's just midnight outside is like it's so your body has to adjust to that. But I did like I was able to write until like three in the morning and then sort of sleep into whatever. Oh. And I I am a night owl. Which is not good with with kids, and I I, I wish I could convert to a lark. Yeah, because five thirty would be ideal, but I'm just not that person. Yeah. So <laughs> I love. It that. was good to be able to sleep in.
0: <laughs> okay, so what is the best book that you have read recently? I would personally, and I do not say my listeners know I do not say this for everybody. My I personally would say your book. Um, <gasps> what so I want Thank everybody you. to read the nesting. So what about you though? What's the best book you've read recently?
1: Well, um, I've read quite a few good ones. Um, There's there's a debut called uh, The Memory Wood by Sam Lloyd, and I'm not sure that's I'm not sure if it's it's published in the states, um, but it's really good. But there's another one um, by Camilla Bruce, and she's a Norwegian author actually uh, called You Let Me In. Oh my goodness, it blew me away. What genre is it? It's creepy i mean in folk horror Ooh. it's got weird bay fairy folk in it and oh my gosh i just yeah it's, it's a book i'm like begging people to read but it is very weird yeah um which is right up my street it's not yeah. up everyone's street but it's, it's camilla furious. bruce
0: and what's the title again
1: camilla bruce you let me in that um is. it's kind of the title i don't think i i don't think it's a, like it It maybe alludes to the book being in a different genre. But it's just, it's a unique book and it I just love it. I thought it was phenomenal. So that that was my, and it's a debut, but it just blew me away. It was just oh, like, how fun. Oh, I so can't weird. wait to
0: read that then
1: too. I know. <laughs> I could read weird all day long. So that's, yes.
0: That's what I want right now. So speaking of creepy and awesome, can you tell people maybe the premise of the nesting and then where they can find you?
1: Certainly. Um. Yes so The Nesting is a gothic suspense and it's set in Norway it's about a nanny who or a a woman called Lexi who uh, takes a job as a nanny under false pretenses she's not a nanny not trained at all but she ends up being a nanny to these two little girls in a remote part of Norway where she finds that uh, there are spooky goings on and the the mother, whose children she's taken care of, doesn't appear to have committed suicide, as everyone is telling her, but seems to have been murdered. And so um, she has to deal with this kind of threat, that's posed. But there's a lot of folklore, there's a lot of ghostliness, and there's a lot of wildlife in this story. So um, I'm really hoping it appeals to people who want a really epic Halloween read with it's all of those different elements.
0: So good. And those little girls, Gaia and Coco, are wonderful. Oh, yeah oh I just I, could praise I, I this book loved, all day long
1: I loved writing them and I I loved writing the relationship between Gaia and Lexi in particular I mean I just I loved writing that relationship and um I thought why why couldn't I wish I could write a series of, of this but I know that that's yeah that they, I they
0: this, were I have this theory and I'm not sure if it's correct but um that some of sometimes we get a gift book that's uh, yeah. there is no gift book there's no book that is easy to write from beginning to end it's impossible yes. Every once, like for me it's like one in every five or six books is something I agree. That
1: hits I, 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 I agree it is that ratio and it's it's sad that that is the case I know every time I think oh I finally got it now I know how to write a book yeah and it's not true I know and there are some books it's like digging for coal it's like <laughs> I've literally lost the ability to write I don't know what I've been doing all this time maybe I need to go on teach Pilates or something, but um <laughs> but this was this was definitely it wasn't it was still hard in some ways but you know but on hindsight I just had such joy writing it and it it is lovely when it comes out as a kind of that book you had in your head is sort of there or it's even better than that. So yeah, yeah at, um you asked where it's it's gonna be sold. I think it's gonna be in most Barnes and Nobles. Um and all the excellent indie stores support independence. Yeah
0: yeah oh it's it's so good and where can we find you online
1: find me uh so i'm on social media on instagram i'm cj cook underscore author and that's cook with an e um and i've been posting uh some of the footage from norway like the videos and photographs i took um there on uh my insta page and facebook i have an author page uh just cj cook i think it might be cj cook books um and then on insta or twitter i'm c jess cook that's my handle c j e s s c o o k e and i have a website um c j cook author.com um and the nesting has its own dedicated website where hmm. i sort of posted a research blog and that's the nestingbook.com
0: ooh i'm going to go check that out immediately maybe after i finish the book i don't want to I just want to get back to the book. I was so irritated that I couldn't finish it last night. (laughs) But I needed sleep, like we were talking about. Well, exactly. CJ, it has been such a treat to talk to you. I'm very sad that we can't see Ralph a little bit more. We've just, you know, (laughs) but I know that he's he's there. Thank you so much for being here and for writing such an amazing book that I am personally learning so much from and just enjoying the hell out of. Thank you. That's good
1: to hear. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great day. You too.